the Why Not Take podcast. This is your host, Mr. Stromboli. I'm Dr. Cash. And I'm Jay Pro. And today we got four storylines on the table for you guys, starting off with the Notre Dame probation. Then we're going to go into Alabama's new head, new coaching hires. And then we're going to go to the Eagles head coaching hires. And lastly, we're going to talk about the great game between the Lakers and the Bucks that occurred on Thursday. First, we're going to start off with the Notre Dame probation. They have been put on probation for violating some off-campus recruiting, some rec- off-campus recruiting rules. I'm going to give it over to Prubs to tell you guys more about that. Yeah, so just to give um, you guys, the listeners, a little bit of details, um, this is what the NCAA is saying. They're saying that an assistant coach had impermissible contact with a player at his high school in 2019 before before his junior year. So that means before they could do any recruiting or anything, they were already tampering um, early in I think, and the uh, assistant coach who was fired, um, Todd Laya, he's an All-American cornerback. Um, he was there in 1989, and he was actually fired tw- in 2020. So um, this is a guy who has history with Notre Dame, and um, that that kind of, to me, that uh, that shows how deep this tampering runs in college football in a team like Notre Dame. What do you guys think? Oh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's terrible here for Notre Dame. Uh, for sure. This isn't, it's, this is the second time this week that we've seen a college football team get busted. And, um, it's, we, we go back to Tennessee, but it's clearly just a way of, uh, just a way of how this college football, um, sport has revolutionized. I mean, we look yeah. at the blue bloods of this sport. You got Alabama, you got Ohio state. Um, and it, the goal for all these teams up on the rise, uh, Notre Dame, like Notre Dame, they're trying to knock off that uh, Alabama team. But obviously yeah. they weren't this year. But it, it, in in their opinion, it's they got to do it through recruiting, and that's just the truth. But when when you got an opportunity to go play for a coach like Nick Saban, I don't think uh, you got a shot. Or if you're Brian Kelly, you got a shot at recruiting that guy to you, unless he's a hometown guy. Because, yeah, and and well, it brings a good point because. Because all these teams, we saw Tennessee, and I, we haven't really talked about it. We have an article up on the website, but it it talks about the volume that teams that are below Alabama, which I'd consider the top tier, like Alabama, Clemson, OU, Texas, that kind of region. I and Notre Dame's one, I I would say is up there in Region One. They just don't get the recruits like those teams that have been proven in the national championship. And yeah, it shows the volumes that these smaller teams have to go through every single day. Like yeah. they, they need uh, to get a leg up. And I think this is another example of why a leg up can hurt you. Yeah. I think, I think some of these um, programs are like established powerhouses like Clemson um, who uh, don't have to like Clemson, who don't have to go through these shady kind of recruiting things. I think that uh, they, these teams like Notre Dame, Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee was not doing very well. I mean, Notre Dame, they made it to the college football playoffs. So I don't, uh, but this was in 2019, right? So they weren't in the playoffs at that time. Yeah. But uh, I think that this uh, is teams trying to gain an upper hand, uh, trying to do something because they can't replicate Saban's legacy. They can't replicate that huge line of winning at Clemson. So they yeah. have to do something else to make up the ground. And I think that's the kind of um, college football hierarchy that's been kind of created now that we've got like one or two 
or three powerhouses that are just taking all the recruits. And I mean, we see a couple teams that are young and on the rise, but they have to do stuff like this to win and compete. Yeah, and it, and it also goes to, I have a question for both of you guys. Notre Dame, so right, probation basically doesn't let them play for a national mm-hmm. championship. So yeah. if Notre Dame gets pulled out, I know we saw Alabama dominate them anyways, but does it, do you have A&M there? And if you do, does A&M put up any better of a game? Because I know A&M fans are probably livid right now with what just happened. Yeah, Is there I mean, any way that Notre Dame really affects the playoffs if they're not in it? I don't, I don't know if Notre Dame was going to be as competitive because I think Oklahoma for me now, before we've even seen anyone play, I think Spencer Rattler, he's going to be really good. And Texas as well. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams on the rise. And I, I think Notre Dame and the Aggies are, they lose their quarterback in Kellen Munn. And I think that that really yeah. hurts this team because they didn't really have any star player. So, <clears throat> and Kellen Munn was, consistent at the quarterback position i think that what kind of helped yeah but but, but this A&M. year with the playoff that we already saw do you think a&m oh. could have could have oh, altered that yeah this year yeah for sure i think if notre dame um had this probation where they weren't able to uh compete i think a&m was for sure than the next spot i mean we were talking about this in a previous pod i mean they were um our at least mine they were my next step in no, yeah, for sure. I think uh, A&M fans, they should be living right now because it's all a matter of timing. And unfortunately, this happened right after the college football season wrapped up. Uh, yeah. So if I was an A&M fan, A&M fan, I'd be pretty heated right now. But yeah, they're definitely my next team up. The next after that, it'd be Oklahoma. But A&M, they, uh, they're a one-loss team. And although yeah. they got blown out by Bama, I mean, you'd rather have a team that you know uh, was safe from illegal recruiting uh, playing in that four spot. But, yeah, a real bummer for A&M fans. But, like I said mm-hmm. earlier, it's all a matter of timing. And, unluckily, um, it, was, it was after the playoff ended. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it mean, brings a, a big point to what we talk about as college football being a lucrative sport, something that you mm-hmm. have to follow. And teams are going to go down, and you just have to hope it's not your team. We're going to stay in the college football world as we move on to our second storyline on the day, which is Alabama hiring Texans former GM and head coach Bill O'Brien is now the offensive coordinator at Bama after Sark has left for Texas. And Bill O'Brien will also be the quarterback's coach. Guys, this is an interesting hire here. And and we've seen a lot of things come out with the Texans, with what the organization is and what's happened. Is Bill O'Brien really that bad of a coach, or are we seeing him more as a scapegoat now as we learn more about the Texans' situation? No, I definitely don't think he's that bad of a coach because, look, he took this team to the playoffs, and although like that ending was super bitter um, and it was just terrible news for that Texans organization, just one disappointment after another, then you go 4-12, and 12, um, I, I don't think he's a bad coach at all. And in fact, I think he'll do great things here at Alabama. Um, it was, it was more of the relationship wise in that Houston organization. And yeah, obviously Houston fans, they heavily dislike him, but, um, he's going to get a fresh start. He went to Alabama. He's going to be with greatest coach in college football history, Nick Saban. Um, and I think, I think if, if we want to talk about a Bill O'Brien, uh, Reunion with the NFL, I think Bama is the place to go before that to get your fresh start 
to prove to the NFL that you can lead this elite offense. Um, yeah, I, I think and, we and saw go back to back because, like I said earlier, Nick Saban is the one everyone wants to be under, and clearly here, he's been he's he's just he just brought into uh, NFL head coaches. One we'll mention later, but I think this is a great start for him. And uh, Houston fans may not like it, but it is what it is, and I think he's not that bad of a uh, coach. Yeah, I don't think he's a, that bad of a coach at all. I mean, he led us to multiple uh, division titles, and I think that just says something about his coaching. But um, where he kind of got a bunch of hate was his GMing. And I think when he goes to Alabama, he's not going to be doing any GMing at all. He's just going to be coaching, specialized. And I think Alabama's were a bunch of these guys who – have kind of hit a rough patch in their career. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, he got fired from USC. He had a bunch of problems. Um, he went to Alabama. He really got Saban, um, helped him, and I think now he's the head coach of UT. And I think that's <clears throat> that's where a lot of these coaches who've had a rough time, like O'Brien, like Marone, I think they're all coming to Alabama to help maybe right their ship and um, get on to another passage. It's probably going to be in college football because I don't think any NF an other NFL team is going to hire them. But, uh, yeah, I think Saban is the coach who you just um, who fixes a lot of OCs and head coaches. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point with Bill O'Brien being – or with Saban being one of the great guys. And I think Bill O'Brien can definitely make a move. But we are just receiving – Breaking news that Kevin Porter Jr. will be on the move and head to the Houston Rockets. And the Cleveland Cavaliers will get a future second-round pick in the deal. Probs, I know you're a big guy in that H-Town area. I mean, what does this mean for Houston? Yeah, I, I think uh, you're looking at Houston and out of the trade, James. I mean, you could just help tell the whole vibe. I mean, he got it kind of went out an ugly way, but Kevin Porter... He, I mean, we all know he has had a couple issues with Cleveland just recently. Um, I think an incident in the locker room that caused him. Cleveland was like, we're either going to drop him or we're going to trade him. And I think um, Houston picking up this guy, he's uber talented. And you're only giving up a protected second-round pick. And you have all those Nets first-rounders. So I don't think that matters as much. And you're getting someone with a super high ceiling and by only giving up a second rounder i think that li limits yeah. any kind of risk at all so i think there's a really high risk uh, or high reward um, low risk move for the rockets yeah yeah i, I completely I agree. agree with you there uh you said it perfectly uh low risk and he could turn out to be something although he averages 10 points Porter's mm -hmm. a solid uh player he's just in his second year and uh second year is kind of like what you think of when you think of the Rockets. They're a young team. They have talent. They're on the rise. Um, and I think that that's a good trade for the Rockets organization. And they they find a way to mentor him correctly before he makes his way back to the court. This could be a steal. Um, and Because th this man showed he, he can be that guy. Not the main guy, but he can be a solid role player. Exactly. And he can be the guy that, that, that yeah. the Rockets go to when they're down 10. They need a spark. They got Kevin Porter Jr. It's just yeah. the way you mentor him from the start. You got to get the, – the key is here that you need to get a good start with him. Yeah, yeah clearly I, not the way to go out. I, I will agree with Prubs on that. And I, I know Prubs is 
is big in Houston. So I'm going to give him one last shot here before we close it out. But I think what's big about this trade is you now have Christian Wood, which has been playing, who's been playing fantastic. Awesome. He's my, yeah, he, he, he's been my MIP throughout the, so far mm-hmm. in this year. And then you have this guy who, who I think Dr. Cash also said it perfectly. He's a spark. He's somebody that you can get in there and him with Wood, I really would like to see how that kind of materializes. I'm going to give it to Probs for some final thoughts before we move on. Yeah. I, um, I think when I, I think about Porter, I think about like this high potential, low risk. I automatically think about Michael Porter Jr. I mean, I know not a lot of people might think about this, but he was picked by the Nuggets in the first round. Uh, I mean, he had a, a ton more risk, but he was injured. He, he had his ultimate potential, but he was injured. Yeah. Uh, no one knew what he would become. And then they pick him, and he, he's like their third best player. He's playing really good. I mean, he's a shooting threat. And I think Porter, I think he could develop into just that for the Rockets. And that's why you give up a second rounder uh, to yeah. take a risk on this guy, take a flyer. Yeah, so we'll see how that materializes for the Rockets mm-hmm. as we move down the stretch here in the NBA, close, getting closer and closer to that quarter season mark. We're going to go ahead and move on into our next segment, which features the Eagles hiring their new yep. head coach and Nick Sirianni. He was the OC for the Indianapolis Colts, and he's been there for a few years. I, I don't yep. mind this hire for the Eagles, and I think – Quite honestly, this was a dark horse kind of pick that the Eagles yeah. just really held on to. I know Josh McDaniels was in the mix, but I mean, you guys, this guy has hasn't had a bad offense. The Colts mm-hmm. have never been that bad. They've always been in the mix. So, how well do you like this hire? And honestly, who do you see starting? Is this built for Wentz or built for Hurts? Yeah, I think uh, to go on his credentials. I mean, last last year he. Uh, top 10 offense in scoring and yards per game which is which is quite impressive seeing that he had a older quarterback who just retired but on your points I think this is built for Wentz I mean uh he Wentz played really well um under Frank Reich while while he was offensive coordinator for the Eagles and um you take Sarani he's a protege of Reich under his coaching tree and he can go in there i I'm pretty sure you can implement the same kind of um, scheme that fits Wentz that we saw uh, work so well for him in that season where he got the extension and they won the Super Bowl. But, I mean, of course, he was injured. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is a dark horse for sure. I, I didn't see it coming for sure. Yeah, I definitely didn't see this one coming. But um, a fresh start is what Philly needs in – yeah, for sure. Ronnie's going to be heading into a mess, but um, there's yeah. one guy that you need to figure it out. I mean, no one's going to point to this guy to figure to clean up the mess, but, you know, if, if you want to show that you're the head of this organization, that's exactly what you're going to have to do, whether mm-hmm. that's make the right decision with your quarterback, uh, find good receiver, either trade, free agency, or draft, and yeah, just completely, you just, you just got to make sure that you give this organization light again. You give this organization hope. Because going into each game, I mean, for Philly fans, I, 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 I can tell like, it was it was just like, here's another loss or here's a surprising win. Like it, it was yeah. inconsistency. You got a little spark and hurt, but now you got to make the right decision if you're surrounding. 
Yeah, and and Hertz's stock kind of moved up and down throughout the year, and we saw towards the end it kind of dipped when he started off pretty well as a kind of spark. So it'll be interesting to see how much they play him. But I agree with you guys. I think Wentz will get this, and I think the fans of Philadelphia should be fairly happy with this. We'll see how this also materializes for the Eagles. I think they're going to have to make quite a run to keep up with the NFC East, which looks terrible right now. Like it looks yeah. terrible, but they got some, the whole division got some good wins down the stretch. Washington almost won a playoff game versus one of the top four teams left. So when you look at it from that perspective, it, it looks like it's not all as bad as it seems. And the NFC East should be fairly decent next year. If they don't lose all their quarterbacks, like they did this year, we're going to go ahead and mm-hmm. move on into our last segment on the day which is the Lakers taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Lakers winning this game. They're now 8-0 on the road, and they won this on by a final of 113-106. to What are you guys' thoughts on the Lakers? First of all, being at 8-0 on the road, I think that's surprising in itself. But what are you guys' thoughts on this game? I definitely think that it's uh, it's a it's, – I wouldn't say a boost, but it's uh, just – a way of saying that Lakers aren't they're, they're, they're they haven't took a foot off the they haven't took their foot off the pedal yet. They're there. Sure. They are still that team to be. Yeah. Uh, they don't care about a super team in Brooklyn. They don't care about the Clippers. It's mm-hmm. it's their it's still their season. And uh, look, Giannis and the Bucks put up a great fight. I like that addition of Drew Holiday so far. But the Lakers just showed we're the Lakers and. We can do it on the road or at home. It's clear and simple. Yeah, yeah I think the Lakers are, in my opinion, the, the best team in the league, hands down. I mean, you see the Bucks have the two-time MVP, and they lost to the Lakers. They only had three players in double digits. Anthony Davis had an off night. He was eight, only 18 points, um, eight of 18 from the from the field, which is which is pretty bad. And yeah. But I think the one part is these role players. I mean, we all know the Lakers play great defense, but they also play great. Uh, they also have great role players. Uh, yeah. At any moment, someone could step up. I mean, in this game, it was Contavious Cadwell Pope, twenty three points. I mean, that's that's crazy. Seven of ten from the from three. That's. Uh, I mean, I think that's really solid for. Yeah, a role and I think player. the biggest another big thing is the the X factor, and I feel like it, it doesn't get talked about enough. But LeBron James is still the number one guy on that team, whether yeah. Anthony Davis had such a great year last year or not. And mm-hmm. LeBron James played 38 minutes, and he's still going. I see all these guys load managing, taking their breaks in the NBA. This guy is on a mission. And I know he didn't like that he didn't win that MVP last year. And I know he's not front runner so far. But when yeah. you play every single game in the NBA season, which is a gauntlet, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to argue against that type of greatness. I know Giannis is a great player, he but he was not my pick last year, and I'm gonna be that. That's just my opinion because, quite frankly, I like to see some playoff excellence. As but that's just a flaw in the MVP award. And mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. another thing to talk about is the Bucks. Just they they're adding pieces, they're trying, and they're still not able to win. They're still not even they're not even the favorites in the conference anymore this year. So yep. Giannis is stuck with this team now. It's because he signed his extension and they look like they're in trouble. 
yeah, I mean, it's they're the Bucks are. How do I say this? They're not living up to their potential. I think. I mean, underwhelming. They're, yeah, they're nine and six, and that's after making that blockbuster trade for Drew Holiday. I mean, yeah, they sent a lot. More. They sent a lot of picks over there to uh, to New Orleans, and yeah, he. I don't think he's been producing. I don't think he was going to produce at a way that warranted all those that huge, massive haul that they gave up. And I think the front office is 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 in for a wild treat because I I agree with you completely on that Drew Holiday because I think they're so focused on keeping Giannis that everything else is kind of falling apart around them. I mean, is it just me or is it, does it look like the Bucks? I mean, I'm gonna. You guys give a quick pick here. Are the Bucks making the, the NBA Finals this year? It's a yes or no. Both of you guys just throw, throw it out there. Yeah, uh, I don't think they're making it. I think um, most people have the Nets making it. I, I actually don't. I have the Celtics making it. I think Tatum and Brown have been playing really well. But, yeah, that's just a quick pick. I think the Celtics are making it. Yeah, that's it. It's a yes for me. And I get it's a long shot, but it's a yes for me. I like, I think this the way this team is starting to gel. They're starting to pick it up. You know, they got that win against shorthanded Mavs. I get that was a close game, but the way they're looking, I like it. And I get this is a Lakers team that they should have beat, but they came up short. But it, it's it's all a matter of chemistry here. And I think this Bucks team, they're going to be able to pick it up. And no, no one's really going to consider them for NBA Finals, but. I don't think you you got to you can't you can't count them out yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, and and we'll, it's gonna be interesting to see how the Bucks finish the season, especially with with uh, the the chemistry. I think that's a good point. We'll see how that goes. We'd like as we wrap up this episode, we'd like to thank each and every one of you guys for listening to our podcast, and make sure to check out our website rewindthattape.com for articles every single week and to check out our social medias and hit us up with a follow and subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to more every single week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys on the next.